It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What does a winning game plan against the Buffalo Bills look like for Miami in Week 4? That is our subject here today on this episode of Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I appreciate our everydayers who do keep it locked in with us on a daily basis because it is your team every day. We don't just say we live it here on the Locked On Network. Today on the show... We're looking at the game plan to beat Buffalo. Uh, the Buffalo Bills hosting the Miami Dolphins in week four. Critical AFC East matchup for Miami and their big picture aspirations. We'll talk big picture at the end of the show. We're going to talk about each side of the ball. I spent the last couple of days watching the Bills and their first three games on tape just to try to pick and feel where I think Miami uh, can find the winning formulas. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So, when the Dolphins have the ball, I will say this: uh, Buffalo has played three teams thus far, whose uh, amount of pre-snap stress is not equal to that of which the Dolphins are going to apply to them. And I do not say that in a way that is meant to diminish the legitimacy of the Buffalo Bills defense because they are talented. They are extremely well coached. You watch the Bills, and when they play zone, they match their zones in accordance to the distribution of routes very well. They pass off routes and trust leverage of players around them extremely well. But the teams that they faced haven't really put them in too much stress of trying to generate and manufacture communication breakdowns because they've largely been static offenses. And what you've seen, what you saw as a result of that, I thought was uh, the ability to very clearly read who is each eligible along the way is, you know, the, the slot receiver is the two. So, the nickel defender is going to read the two, and based off his release, it's going to dictate whether that player carries or passes off and then is allowed to sink and take the check down. So it all zone defenses that, that rely on passing off route stems. You got to muddy the waters more, and you understand you probably got a little bit of a watered-down uh, game plan in week one with the Jets because Aaron Rodgers prepped all week to be the starter and left after just a couple of plays. Uh, and then the next week you got Jimmy Garoppolo and they had a really good opening script. Uh, the Raiders did. And then they just quite frankly got big boy up front and could not run the ball. So whatever you were going to try to do and the, the Patriot system is not really one that relies on a lot of pre-snap movement and shifts emotions anyway. And that's what they're running in Las Vegas. 
And then you had Sam Howell in his fourth career start. Uh, so it felt like you got a very watered down version of a game plan there. And I thought that one was the most egregious one because of how they space the field. I mean, they're, they're running some concepts and, and Buffalo's just not stressed at all. So you have to s- stress the pre and post snap communication. That is a thing that is obviously very low hanging fruit to project for Miami because they are at motions or at snap motion, the highest rate in the NFL. Uh, so I would throw the kitchen sink at them for shifts, motions. Uh, it's referred to as the number of players that cross the center. So you about some of the counters and the jet sweeps and the, the end arounds that Miami has run, putting all that eye candy to kind of freeze linebackers in place, maybe force a miscommunication if you're going to run out of a bunch set or you're going to stack a guy and motion a third guy out there. And with speed, is he now the one? Is it based on the timing? Is he the three? Is he the two? That That is something that I'm really fascinated to see how well prepared Buffalo is. But I think that is an essential part of Miami having success offensively. Now, when I looked at the three teams that played the Bills and the success that they were able to find on the ground, the team that had the most success, you know, the, the commanders had a couple of nice runs. They just didn't run the ball enough, and it was a two-score game in the fourth quarter. Like It wasn't like the game was totally out of hand. It snowballed on them late because they kept turning the ball over a bunch, uh, had a defensive pick six in there, all that kind of stuff. But the Jets had some success with crack toss, which piqued my interest uh, because they were using utilizing tight ends to crack down on Greg Rousseau and generating movement and wash, and the Jets would come out with these really heavy three tight end surfaces. Now you contrast that to the following week, the Raiders came out with six offensive linemen and still could not run the ball because they could not get up onto the second level and block the linebackers. So I think that is something for Miami, the crack toss concepts of collapsing on the edge with Ingold and Smythe and whoever else may be charged with some of those reps uh, and giving yourself some, some favorable angles to try to get up on second level players. Milano say what you will about Matt Milano. And although there's a lot of dolphins fans that do not like Matt Milano. And I understand why uh, he's a stud football player. And I, I think for all of the times Terrell Bernard has been around the ball. It's Milano is the one that I think you, you have to scheme for because uh, his instincts are really good. His range is really good. He's obviously an explosive hitter. Uh, very rangy, very difficult for offensive linemen to get up on. So when you're thinking about Connor Williams and he practiced yesterday, and I think that's a great sign for Miami for his availability to play in the game. But if he doesn't play, I think that maybe changes how you try to leverage and climb. But seeing the Jets have success knocking Leonard Floyd, smaller edge guy, Greg Rousseau, really, really powerful player, but is a little bit of a taller player because he's, he's so angular with his build. You can get under these guys with heavy blockers on the edge and, and use the speed to run outside and then try to leverage uh, walling off or forcing Milano to run around traffic to, to get back into the fit as compared to if we're just going to run wide zone or we're going to run inside zone and rely on doubles and climbing off of it to get up on top of Matt Milano in, in the middle of that Bill's defense. So that's something that stands out to me as well is seeing the Jets get success on the edge with tight ends and creating wash. 
then then you're putting Taron Johnson in a critical element and and his ability to fulfill a role as the run support player in the nickel. Who can who do you trust to block him when you're running the ball? I think the Dolphins receivers, even without River Craycraft, you you get admirable effort. Um, that might be Alec Ingold coming up through a gap from time to time as well. And I really like your, your odds on those situations. So um, I think power runs outside the tackle is where I'd really like to see Miami probe and try to win early. Just because that was where when teams had success running the ball against Buffalo in the first three weeks, it has been power runs that do not just run up the gut. They do have a, you know, Ed Oliver's a smaller player, but Daquan Jones, I know Puna Ford hasn't really played a lot of snaps, but his presence there is is one that you acknowledge as a potential player that could be a, a matchup problem if you're going to try to run downhill. So power runs to the edge. Obviously the shift motion, try to test communication breakdowns, muddy the waters of who is what number eligible because they do pass things off. And when they go man, and I saw a fair amount of man. Uh, it's usually cover one. And uh, they, they're very physical in the contact window. So if you're anticipating man, I would do a lot of stack releases where you can switch and force somebody to play off and make sure that you're manufacturing one of your speedy guys to kind of get out in the space. Now, if you're anticipating that they're going to bracket you with Hyde and Poyer and the corners with your star players, then I would put the star players on the line of scrimmage and force the player to, that's playing off to get into a true one-on-one situation with a free release. That's what I would look for. Now, I have one other note and observation for the run game uh, for Buffalo that I want to give you guys. But before we do, I do want to make sure that we uh, get our first break and I get a chance to tell all of you about our friends over at DoorDash. So stick with us. If you are missing that key ingredient for your favorite game day meal, you might want to check out DoorDash. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your favorite restaurants, and now you can get grocery delivery with actual drivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or they will make it right. So sit back, enjoy quality groceries, just like you pick them up yourself. And if you want even more value, you can save on all of your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 when you use code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Limited time offer terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero in delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNFL. Do not forget that is code LOCKEDONNFL for $50 off your first order with DoorDash. Perhaps you spur the moment are Western New York-ish. You want to go to the game. Forget the stress that comes with planning a trip to the game and get your tickets with game time. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game time, you can find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And with zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. 
The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on NFL. L O C K E D O N N F L for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. The other observation that I had for when the um, Dolphins have the ball is the Bills do a really nice job. This is the other thing I think their defense does a really nice job of is when they rotate and spin the safeties, they time it up really well. So they will show you something pre-snap. And if that is not what they're going to spin to and play on the back end, they are very patient. They don't give you a lot of stuff for free before the snap. Now, they also will show you stuff they're not doing. A lot of their simulated pressures are four-man pressures and just certain guys are dropping out as compared to uh, everybody actually coming or just rushing organically for it. They get you in long down and distance situations. They disguise well, but they show pressure uh, and end up not really pressuring you. They'll just overload a side. So I think something that's that's important for me is the Dolphins getting up to the line of scrimmage and implementing a hard count, uh, trying to, and I understand it's a road environment, so that can be difficult. Get yourself enough time at the line of scrimmage that you can prompt and facilitate some tells. Maybe a fake clap. See if one of the safeties starts to jab down. They'll sneak Poyer down there quite a bit and get an extra hat in the run game that's not accounted for because they'll spin him down late. So if you can anticipate that, if you can draw that out of him, so even if you're going to go silent count, you're going to snap it, or you're going to clap snap. Well, can you draw some kind of tell that even if he doesn't tip his hand anymore, he's no longer getting kind of the momentum start into the snap? is something I would watch for as well as far as what Buffalo does defensively that was really impressive through the first three, three weeks, and it's not a surprise because they're one of the best coach teams in the NFL and they got talent on the defensive side of the ball. So it's a lot of uh, game, I don't say game, play, play administrative stuff is the stuff that I think can really help give you a winning edge in this game. It's not game management, it's not play management, it's, it's administrative. And I think they're in a position to do some of this because it is year two of this system offensively. Now, defensively, when uh, when the Bills have the ball, you don't really have a good answer here. Although I did get uh, this really interesting. Where's my phone? Joe Marino sent it to me. There it is. And Joe Marino sent me a chart that I think is good reinforcement of something we talked about the other week. Winning on first down. And Oklahoma head coach Brent Venables had a really interesting clip that came out in the last week talking about uh, one of the greatest predictors of success in a football game being uh, you winning on first and 10 on either side of the ball. And the Dolphins obviously have had a lot of first down success uh, offensively and defensively. What is of interest to me is that the Bills on rushing plays on first and 10 have a the second lowest 
EPA per play, which is expected points added. So it's a metric that measures um, success rate of those play calls and what the, the net is versus standard. Uh, so the Bills are the second worst team running the ball on first and 10 offensively through the first three weeks and passing the ball on first and 10. They are about net neutral. This is not a good first and 10 offense for whatever reason. And I don't have a good reason, uh, but it is a very interesting st statistical note to come to the understanding that they have been a team that has lived in a lot of second and longs. You want to continue that. So what I would do on first and 10 is I would give a lot of attention to Stephon Diggs. I would, I don't want to say you want to load the box um, because then you're, you're taking away from the ability to pay attention to Stephon Diggs. Um, but what I would be prepared to do is run some of these uh, very game plan matchup coverages like Zeus, which is a Fangio coverage that results in two defenders whose primary read and focus is a designated receiver. I'd try to run that on first down. And then you, you, depending on the down and distance, I'd probably run it again on third down just to make sure you are prompting the right matchups and you are prompting Josh Allen to work through other receivers to have success. Now, this is a predominantly 12 personnel offense. It's Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox. It's whatever running back, James Cook. You know, they do have Latavius Murray and they do have uh, Damian Harris. So they do have a couple big body guys, but it's usually James Cook. It's Stephon Diggs. It's Gabe Davis. That's the base offensive personnel. I assume you're going to live in nickel. What's tough is living in nickel against 12 personnel team. Of course, that puts you in a position where you're going to have a defensive back who is drawing a tight end in coverage and there's a big size mismatch there. So do you go three safeties? Probably not. Is this a game where you get a little bit of Javon Holland down low? Maybe. Brandon Jones got some defensive snaps. Was it enough to get him on the field? These are questions that, that I won't have the answer to. Um, but I would, ex I would expect a lot of called coverages designed to force Josh Allen to work through the complementary components of the offense. Don't let Stephon Diggs be the reason you lost the game. Now, does that mean that you put Xavier Howard on Gabe Davis? Do you want Cater Kohu on Gabe Davis? I think that's a really interesting decision. If you were going to play with safety leverage, I would be inclined to put Howard on Stefan Diggs because I think Kohu, Kohu's taken the, some of these big bodied wide receiver matchups already this season, and he's had some success with it. And one thing Gabe Davis is, is he is a vertical guy down the field too. He's a big bodied linear separation guy. So if I take that into account, who do I trust on vertical shots with perhaps maybe no safety help at time to time? I would want Kohu to be the guy that's running downfield. That's not a shot on X in any capacity, but I, I think X on Stefan Diggs with the ball skills frees him up to be aggressive to try to hunt the football a little bit more 
and be aggressive knowing, hey, I've got help over the top. And I do think Kohu runs better than, than Xavier Howard at this stage of the game too. So for me, I think they'll, that that's how I would probably try to handle it. We'll see if the team handles it the same way. And then I'd be prepared to uh, contain rush. You know, for all of the want of getting Josh Allen on the ground and you know, the Dolphins pass rush in the, the playoff game had success getting to Josh Allen and facilitating some bad plays, some bad decisions, some turnovers. Uh, Osiris Torrance going to have to grow up on Sunday for the Bills. Uh, the, you got two really, really talented interior defensive linemen. You got to win some one-on-ones there. Uh, but I want my edge guys to try to keep Josh in the pocket because there's very few that are better when he gets outside the pocket than Josh Allen, because he has access to the full field, regardless if he's running to his left or his right. I want to try to keep him in the pocket and understand I got to win inside with my rush and, and disrupt in his face. I don't want him getting out on the edges because that's when he'll really kill you as a runner. And it's when he'll really kill you uh, throwing the ball. So my pass rush might be contained rushes where I'm, I might by design overtrace the outside arc and then try to work back up towards the line of scrimmage and hope that I'm going to coax him into the B gaps and then I can catch him from behind. Easier said than done, obviously. This is uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the game. So uh, we are going to zoom out at this stage. And we're going to talk about um, what is at stake uh, throughout the course of the conference and, and the, the AFC East and remind ourselves of our big picture goals and aspirations for this Dolphins team as we do on Fridays as we get ready to bring this episode Locked on Dolphins to a close. So stick with us. Our friends at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks of each week all season long. So whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you the winners that are a guaranteed fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week. I'm going to keep it in the Shanahan system. 49er second-year quarterback Brock Purdy is picked up where he left off as a star rookie passer down the stretch in 2022 with a sharp play in Kyle Shanahan's divers' loaded passing game this season. Purdy's playing off Christian McCaffrey's running and delivering nicely through the red zone with his arm and legs. In week four, Purdy gets a favorable matchup at home against Arizona's defense. I don't care that they beat Dallas last week. The expectations for Arizona at a certain threshold. Purdy should manage multiple scores plus 250 plus passing yards as San Francisco builds an early big lead on their way to another blowout. Vinny Iyer of Lockdown Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy football championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. The same goes for your vehicle with over 122 million parts. Your number one ride or die. You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it with eBay's guaranteed fit. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only and exclusions do apply. So I have my favorite website on the face of the planet, uh, playoffpredictors.com. And we're not bringing up playoffpredictors.com for any other reason other than it is a really helpful illustration of this week's schedule. 
And it also provides you in real time as if you were to pick the games and the results of the games, it would help outline what that means for conference standings and playoff standings and divisional standings and so on and so forth. So Miami obviously plays in Orchard Park at one o'clock. You have two two and one teams playing in the AFC North between the Ravens and the Browns. It's obviously a big game. Those are teams that have playoffs aspirations. If the playoffs started today, they'd both be wildcard teams behind Pittsburgh. Them playing each other, one of those teams is obviously going to fall to two and two, which means no matter what happens in Miami's game, Miami will assured be assured to stay ahead of one of those two teams. We go to tiebreakers, it might be both. Obviously a little early for this kind of jostling, but it's good to know where there's going to be net wins and losses throughout the conference. The vast majority of the conference is playing other teams within the conference. Cincinnati's at Tennessee. The Raiders are at Las, Ve- uh, Los Angeles Raiders. The Chiefs on Sunday Night Football are playing the Jets. Taylor Swift will be there if that's your cup of tea. It's not mine, but that's okay. Uh, the Steelers are visiting the Texans. And then we already mentioned uh, Ravens, Browns, and Dolphins, Bills. That leaves four interconference matchups. Uh, the Jaguars are going to London and playing the Falcons. So that's a 9 o'clock game. Uh, 9 a.m., I should say. The Colts are hosting the L.A. Rams. The Denver Broncos are visiting the Chicago Bears. And the New England Patriots are visiting Jerry World and playing the Dallas Cowboys. So you look at within the division, if you just picked the better team for those two games, New England and the Jets are potentially facing one and three. Now, you still have to play the games. And I'm saying that mainly for New England because Dallas offensively has looked a little sluggish in the first couple weeks. Um, I do think Dallas will win the game. Uh, but New England, I think, is a team that could pull off an upset there. I do have no expectations for the Jets to beat the Chiefs. So that would put the Jets potentially at one and three. You potentially get both of those teams at one and three. That's obviously a very big note because Miami is facing the other AFC East team. You win that game, you go to 4 0. The Bills are 2 and 2. The other two, th- two teams are 1 and 3. You have head to head matchups in. against two of them in that situation. Can't overstate the magnitude of the game. I mean, even if the Patriots win, you'd be looking at 4-0, 2-2, 2-2-1-3. Every week is important. The race to 10 wins as the first hurdle in the the conference. Uh, If I would have to guess... I would say the Colts lose to the Rams. I think the Rams have a little bit more juice offensively. I don't think the Colts have the pass rush to punish them. So I would say that team probably falls to two and two. I think the Chiefs get to three. There's no other team in the West that could possibly get to three wins. The Ravens and Browns play each other. So one of those two teams will fall to two wins. Pittsburgh against Houston probably wins. And then obviously if Miami beats Buffalo, you'd be looking at now a 4-0 team and three other teams in the conference that have three wins. And Miami would have obviously a leg up on each of those. They'd still have to play Kansas City head-to-head as a three-win team. 
Like there's a lot here. There's a lot of leverage. Now, even if it doesn't go Miami's way on Sunday, just to acknowledge the other outcome, I think the probable outcome if Miami loses the game is you have two teams in the North, one team in the West, and two teams in the East that are all tied with three wins. And that will put you at five teams in the division, all with obviously a leg up at three and one. But because there's been so much parity early, Miami stringing together another win is a monumental piece of, of what could be this weekend. So take the divisional metrics aside, but big picture throughout this conference, go take it. And I'll, I'll end this show with the same question I asked at the beginning of Monday's show after Miami did what they did to the, the Broncos last week. And I promised myself I wouldn't say the number. And I promised you guys I wouldn't say the number. Why not us? Dolphins last one in Orchard Park in 2016 when they went up there in cold weather and overtime and J.J. ran all over them to clinch the playoff spot. Time for another big win in Orchard Park. We'll see if they can do it. Fins up. Appreciate you guys checking out the show. Make it a great rest of your day. Enjoy the football that lies ahead of us. I will be back again very soon. Now, full disclaimer, my household is on baby watch. Uh, my wife's due date was yesterday and that came and went. So if your regularly scheduled programming is a little off kilter, um, that's probably why, but I will make sure you get all of the dolphins coverage that you all need. Uh, very excited for Sunday's game, huge opportunity for the dolphins. Why not us? Fins up. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.